On this episode of the Midday Madness Sports Podcast, was the Astros' apology sincere? Is Rob Manfred trying to move forward by introducing a new playoff format? And are the Lakers destined to win the title this year? Find out our thoughts right now. Testing, 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 do you read? We inhale! It's time for the Midday Madness Sports Podcast. Good afternoon and welcome to the Midday Man of Sports Podcast. Thank you for joining me on this beautiful, frigid Valentine's Day of 2020. It is February 14th. Hope you guys are having a great Valentine's Day. I know I am. My wife and I are going out to dinner tonight. Can't wait to go. 39 cent wings at Arugas. Oh yeah. Um, but thank you again for joining us. Remember to like us on Facebook at the Midday Man of Sports Podcast page. And don't forget to also share us, like us, love us. Just don't hate us. That's all we ask. I want to start off. Last week we did our show, if you remember, our show on Kobe Bryant, just about what his legacy will be meant to me, um, how I will always remember him. And it just, uh, it was basically about Kobe Bryant. This one we're going to start off a little differently. I want to start off and I want to say, remember when you got in trouble when you were a kid? Think back when you were a kid, okay? You would always get in trouble. And that's how we learned, right? We always learn how we get in trouble. You learn the lesson. You move on, right? Take me, for example. Anyone that knows me knows that I am a troublemaker. Anyone, my wife, I know is laughing her butt off right now for saying, yeah, he's definitely a troublemaker. I know you're laughing. Anyone that personally knows me, good friends, you guys know I'm a troublemaker. I'm okay with that. That's how I learn. I learn from my mistakes. I don't make them again. And it's just, that's how I learned. I remember one instance when I was really, really little, my mom and I were living with my aunt and her um, kids, my two cousins. And I remember my cousin and I, we used to always hang out. We were basically brothers. He's only a couple months older than me. And we were inseparable when we were younger. I remember hanging out with a few friends around our block, just kind of hanging out. I don't remember what we were doing, but I remember he said something and it kind of got, it kind of irked me. We used to always do that because we were like brothers, you know, if you have a brother, if you have a sister, you bicker, you fight. It's just what you do. You know, one of those like Geico commercials, it's what you do. So we were, we were arguing about something. Of course, he was probably right. I, I will admit that you were probably right, Mike. And we were talking and in my head, I was like, well, what can I do to get back at my cousin? How can I get back at this kid? And I remember looking around in the yard. And we're in the backyard of this person's house. And I remember looking and I'm like, hmm, what can I do? What can I do to get back to my cousin? I see a hose, a water hose. And I look in the distance and I'm like, yeah, I could do it. So I walked over to the hose, got over, went out, picked it up. And my cousin's still probably chirping. And he looked at me and I looked at him with pointing the hose in his direction. And he's like, you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. And it was in that moment I knew, I'm definitely doing this. I sprayed him. Got him all soaking wet. Got him and our friend soaking wet. He probably won't even remember the story, by the way. I remember it. Because I remember this next moment. I remember him and I running opposite direction. He ran the front way, which is obviously the quicker and easier way to get home. I ran the back way. I don't know why. I thought I was faster. I was not. He made the right choice by going into the front door, already talking to his mom, who was watching us at the time. And I remember 
basically him already telling the story why he's soaking wet. I come running in the back door. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And of course, my cousin already explained the story. My aunt looks at me, looks at my cousin, looks at me again. Really? Then why is he soaking wet? Busted. And I can laugh about this now because it's, it's, in, it's a learning moment. I was brought upstairs to my room for like two hours or so because obviously I didn't learn my lesson. Uh, you, you know, but when you're little, you learn these things. You learn how to apologize. I remember even when I've gotten older, if I've done or if I've said something to upset someone, I will apologize to them and I will meet it because obviously my actions speak louder than volumes, you know, speak louder than words. So I, if I have said anything to my friends, I will always, I will always apologize to them and I will mean it because it's what you do. You apologize and you mean it. We had an instance this week where you could tell, and obviously I'm telling these two stories for a reason. When you're younger, I'm going to be honest. I wasn't really upset that I was sorry. I wasn't really sorry. I was upset that I got caught. You know, when you're younger, you're just like, dang it, why did I get caught? I want to think of a different way not to get caught. When you're older and it matters with your friends, you don't really want to hurt them. So that makes sense. This week, we had, on February 13th, yesterday, we had an instance where finally the Houston Astros, who, if you have not heard, have been, uh, there's been important about them stealing signs, about them wearing buzzers. We haven't heard anything from them. And this was a three-month investigation by the Major League Baseball. Rob Manfred had his investigators really dig deep, really look into what was going on, and they had found that they were stealing signs in the game by, with the, um, tra- the banging of the trash cans. So we know this already, but we haven't heard what the Astros were going to say. We haven't heard anything, actually. In fact, the only person we've heard from was Jim Crane, who, who not only fired A.J. Hinch, the manager, but also fired the general manager, Jeff Linnell. So, since then, we haven't heard, seen anything from them. Finally, yesterday, we had the chance to see them actually confront the media and talk about what has been going on the last three years. Would they feel sorry? Would they feel remorse? Would they feel any, or show even any emotion in general? I will admit, I didn't watch it live, but I was shocked after hearing all of the, the initial reactions and then watching it myself. I saw a clip on YouTube because obviously that's where you go and watch it. And I was shocked about how they responded. First off, I, I, and I read this and we're going to, or I watched this and we're going to put a lot of clips into this. And I'm going to give my first reaction. The first clip we're going to put in was Jim Crane was asked about what is your message to teams that you beat that it affected, like the Yankees, like the Dodgers? If you remember, they stole signs. The Astros won four games in Houston, but lost all three games in New York. In the World Series, they beat the Dodgers in seven games. Both series actually went seven games. But was it, I mean, it basically impacted the game. But what is your message to the to the New York Yankees and the Dodgers, and this is what Jim Crane had to say. You know, our opinion is, um, you know, that this didn't impact the game. Um, we had a good team. Um, we won the World Series, and we'll leave it at that. So yeah, that was the initial reaction of um, Jim Crane's first question of the press conference, which basically means we were better, so it didn't impact the game. Well, I mean, what else do you want to say? It, it didn't impact the game. We'd won. We were better, right? Well. Of course, I mean, obviously he's going to defend his team. I, I completely understand that. 
But the next clip was a reporter asking him how it didn't impact the game because there was there was a little part where he said it didn't impact the game. Here, here's his thought. Jim, when talking about the Yankees there, did you say you feel like this didn't impact the game? And what do you mean by that? I, I didn't say it didn't impact the game. Basically, you know, as the commissioner said in his report, he's not going to go backwards. Um, it's hard to determine how it impacted the game, if it impacted the game, and that's where we're going to leave it. So are you going to answer the question that it impacted the game, or are you not? I'm, I'm kind of confused, Jim Crane. Uh, you said it didn't impact, but it did. And I'm, I'm a little confused. Can you... Obviously, in this, he really had nothing to say. Like, listen, we won. We were the better team. And I'm going to leave it at that. The, the MLB report has already said they're not taking their title away. But maybe they should after all of this? I don't know. The next clip, um, it was Jim Crane was asked about what changes have been made after the Wall Street Journal article was written last week. And this is what Jim Crane had to say about that. Jim, after the Wall Street Journal article came out last week, it sort of painted another picture of the science ceiling scandal also being uh, driven through the front office. Have you guys had conversations with the front office staffers who are still here who may have been a part of the 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 scheme initially and 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 how can fans be ensured that everything is uh, is above board considering some of the same folks are still around well again you know the leader of that department has been fired um i've had some time to to review the department you know there will be some changes in there um as the commissioner said he wasn't going to count the lower level people uh hold them accountable along with the players i agree with that um, but we, we are reviewing the baseball operations. Uh, James Click and I will, will continue to work on that and, and put a structure together that we feel comfortable um, that this won't happen again in the future. So to me, when I hear that the changes have been made, well, we got rid of Lanau, we got rid of Hinch, because those are the two guys, but you're still in charge. You were the one that, A, we're supposed to know all of these rules, what MLB is allowing, what they're not allowing, and then relay that to the general manager and the manager, who were basically scapegoats in all of this, because let's face it, in the report, A.J. Hinch did say he tried. He tried to get these guys to stop. It didn't work. He didn't have enough help. Lanau heard about it, then he didn't, and now there's a report that he said that was heard that he didn't know about it, and he just didn't do anything about it. So I don't know who to believe, but you're still in charge, and that's the problem because you're the real leader of this team. You are the owner, you're the one that signs the checks, and you are still in charge, which makes me kind of question, is this really going to be resolved, or are you just trying to say all of this in front of everyone? to make yourself look good because it's not really working I i'm just saying if th this is the first initial reaction i had about listening to these clips and it blows my mind oh my goodness but this leads me to my favorite clip of um of a reporter asking jim crane what was he did he does he think this is cheating this is my favorite clip of all these clips we're showing and here it is may i ask is it cheating excuse me do you use the word cheating was this cheating we broke the rules and you can phrase that any way you want. I'm sorry. What kind of answer is that? We broke the rules. You can take that however you want. What? Do you hear yourself? We broke the rules. I don't really know what to tell you. I wasn't, I wasn't actually 
supposed to answer that question because I didn't know. And but you're gonna say whatever you want because that's what you do. You're media. You you kind of twist the words. But you didn't answer the question. That was a blatant. Is this cheating? Do you consider this cheating? Does breaking the rules consider cheating? Yes or no? Basically, that that's the standard question. It's the same kind of question you would ask a kid. Did you steal the piece of candy? Did you? Why is the candy in your hand? I don't know. Is the candy in your in your hand? Like this is one of the worst, absolute worst apologies I've ever heard. Even and trust me, I'm a troublemaker. I know these things. I, I I've been there. I've made trouble before, and I've apologized. Sometimes I've meant it. Sometimes I haven't. But this is complete opposite of what I thought. They as a baseball team, as an owner of a major league baseball team, as an, an adult who has been there and done things before, you would think he would know how to apologize. And I don't think they worked that one out there really well, just saying. Another clip that we're going to play is uh, what Jim Crane's thoughts were about keeping the pendant. And I, again, I think this is just hilarious as well. Okay, over here. Hi, do you believe that um, the Astros should still retain the 2017 pennant, you know, despite the way that the team cheated? Um, listen, the commissioner made it clear that um, we're going to go backwards. Uh, the, the championship would stay intact, and I agree with him. So now we hear that, obviously, he's sticking with the original report by, done by John, uh, Rob Manfred. And, of course, he's going to say, well, obviously, we should keep it. We were a good team. We won. What? I mean, well, how much does this, any of this matter? We were the better team. And... <laughs> I just don't understand how they think this is going to be a good thing. And I, again, I was really hoping that the Houston Astros were really going to come out and really apologize and really say, I am sorry for what I did. And I'm sorry that we stole things from the other teams. We messed up. We made a big mistake. I feel like that kind of an apology would have been better. But here's Alex Bregman, and I'm going to tell you what I actually thought about Alex Bregman's apology. This kills me. This is hilarious. And it, th what I think it reminds me of, you may think, you may remember, but I'll, I'll get into it. Here's Alex Bregman when he apologizes. I have some brief remarks that I'd like to share with y'all. I'm really sorry about the choices that were made by my team by the organization, and by me. I've learned from this, and I hope to regain the trust of baseball fans. I would also like to thank the Astros fans for all of their support. We as a team are totally focused on moving forward to the 2020 season. Thank you. Have you ever listened to like the political debates and any of the uh, political party members, like Democrats, Republicans, whoever, and they always, the one that it came to my mind after listening to Alec Bregman, and I was, or Alex Bregman, and I showed my, or let my wife watch the clip, and I showed her the YouTube video, and I, I wrote down Hillary Clinton. This is what it reminds me of. In 2008, Hillary Clinton was running for the 2008 uh, presidential Democratic uh, leader. So, obviously, with me, and when I, I remember watching the speech, and I remember there's a comedian called Dana Carvey, uh, Squatting Monkeys Telling the Lies. It's a great uh, comedic act that he does, and he does a lot of good impressions. And I was watching that, and he was, and he's talking with his hands, and so or Alex Bregman's talking with his hands, and so is Hillary Clinton. And today, we are a changing world, 
And when I was listening to Alex Bregman, I have a few remarks to make. And I need to go over this right now. I am sorry for what I did. Now, I know that a lot of uh, politicians will rehearse what they say. They have script writers and they stick to the script and that's it. That's exactly what Alex Bregman did. He stuck to the script, didn't go off script, and that was it. He said, I need to make a few remarks. That was it. You made your few remarks. It was very short and brief. And I can't believe, but it, it killed me because I'm like, what kind of an apology is this? Jose Altuve was another really bad one that we don't have on us right now, but it was, oh my goodness, I can't believe you guys are grown men. To me, it felt like Alex Bregman has never apologized in his life. And this was the first time he actually had to apologize to anyone. I'm sorry that I've done wrong. I'm sorry, but I don't know how to apologize. I've been so given in life that everything I've done, I walk on water and I'm like, Jesus, and I can't do any wrong. But wait, we stole signs from the Yankees and we stole the series from the Dodgers and we did nothing wrong. And I'm not really sorry. I'm just doing this to make appearances look better this is the last clip that we have well second to last clip we have we have two more uh this is george springer defending alex cora and carlos beltran if you remember they were the two guys the two guys that the entire uh or operation took under and it was because of these two guys obviously they're no longer managers in the major leagues and probably screwed their entire career george springer wants to uh defend them so here it is you know um the commissioner didn't make his report, you know, but Alex and Carlos have been great to us. That they were great to us. Um, you know, their leadership, um, their minds, their mindset is something that I'll always remember. Um, and, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm not going to talk about my teammates because a clubhouse is a clubhouse. Um, but I learned a lot from them. George, I was talking to Julian. He said, no one put a gun to our head. No one put us up to this. This is all our responsibility. So why blame people who are no longer here? I think every member of that team has to take responsibility. Finally, someone said something right. George Springer, everyone has to take responsibility. Has anyone actually fully taken responsibility? There are two players that have actually taken responsibility for their for their actions. Marvin Gonzalez and Dallas Keiko, who, by the way, are no longer on the Houston Astros team, which kind of makes you think, did they know why they didn't want to be in Houston in the first place? And were they not wanting to feel guilty anymore? Did they... Or was it because the Astros couldn't actually pay them? Kind of makes you think for a second why Dallas Keuchel and Marlon Gonzalez, who were really good key players on that team in that 2017 World Series run, makes you wonder why did they leave? This I have this next clip, my final clip, is a great, a great response from a player right now, the National League MVP award winner from last season. His reaction. Finally, someone has a great reaction to all of this, and it's Cody Bellinger of the Los Angeles Dodgers, and I love. So here, I thought the apologies were whatever. Uh, I thought Jim Cranes was weak. Um, I thought Manfred's punishment was weak, giving him immunity. Um, I mean, these guys were cheating for three years. Um, you know, I think what people don't realize is Altuve stole an MVP from Judge in 17. Um, everyone knows they stole the ring from us. I know personally I lost respect for those guys. Um, I think I would say everyone in the show, in the big leagues, lost respect for those guys. 
I don't know what human hits a walk-off home run against Raldis Chapman to send your team to the World Series. And one has the thought to say, don't rip my jersey off, but two, go in the tunnel, change your shirt, and then come out and do your interview. Like that, that makes no sense to me. It makes zero sense to me because I know me. Gary Sanders said yesterday, you can rip my shirt off, my pants off. I said my team in the World Series off for all this Chapman and the ninth inning at home. You can do, you know, I'm going crazy. Couldn't say any better myself. The apologies were weak. Rob Manfred let them get away. They stole things. They got away with it. They don't care. That, to me, this apology meant nothing. It's basically this piece of paper I'm crumpling up and throwing away. That's it. They don't care. We want to move forward. The only two people I actually have respect for, like I already said, Marvin Gonzalez and Dallas Keuchel, who were former members of that team, who left the Houston Astros, who are no longer part of that team anymore, and at part of that organization. They're the only two that I actually respect. The other ones, another person I'm really shocked with right now is Justin Verlander, who is all of a sudden silent. Wasn't Justin Verlander the guy when PEDs were really coming out that said, man, I can't believe you guys would use that as an excuse. Why did you decide to come to the Houston Astros in 2017? Were you aware of that when you played against them when you were in Detroit and that's what made you want to come? Like, oh, this is a really good tactic. We should keep using this a little more. We should do a little more. Now, obviously, he wasn't in a report, but he's been awfully silent and you don't really know. He's not really been known to actually be silent on these kinds of things. So it kind of really makes you think. The f- other people I really feel sorry for in this are Dusty Baker and the new GM, uh, Click, who have to clean this mess up. They inherited a complete mess. Now, granted, they inherited a great team. Obviously, Verlander, Altuve, Springer, Correa, Bregman. They are great players. But does this really affect how they're going to play this year? Because like I said on the first podcast we did, this could either really motivate them, which I kind of hope it does, to make them look more legit and more like, you know what, you're going to come at us? We didn't do anything to you. Now, I feel like the only teams that really have a quarrel with them are the New York Yankees, which they play later on in the season, and the Dodgers. And I don't know if they actually play them or not, but those are the only two teams that I could see that really have a big quarrel. Now, I don't know what's going to happen. I think they will be thrown at a lot. But I feel bad that Dusty Baker inherited a team that is so talented but can't be trusted because I don't think he's ever been in this kind of situation before. And Rob Manfred, obviously, has never really been in this kind of situation before either. I also want to mention, and I did this as a joke, but my wife and I were kind of, I was kind of curious about how many times Jim Crane mentioned the report or investigation uh, in his press conference. And I said the over-under is seven, but originally said 10. He said it 10 times. He hid behind this thing 10 times. And I just think it, it's not the greatest apology. It's not the best. And they obviously want to move forward. And clearly they have Rob Manfred kind of wanting to move forward as well because he is now, he's not being respected. And a lot of people are not going to like his decisions. Especially now that we are going to segue into our next talk, uh, talking point, which is about focusing on the wrong things in a new playoff format. Because clearly, the MLB baseball needs a new playoff format. Beginning in 2022, and this is an article written by Joe Pantorno from amny.com about the 
a new uh, playoff format for baseball. Again, beginning in 2022, seven teams are, instead of five teams from each league, will make the playoffs. So more teams making the playoffs isn't a bad thing. It's not the worst part. It's not the worst idea ever mentioned. Obviously, the wild card game was originally not liked at first, but it's kind of grown on us in the last couple of years. It's actually given us a lot of good memories in baseball, and it's kind of made baseball a little more watchable, especially during the week when all you talk about on the weekends is football. So kind of gives you something to talk about. But out of the 56 multi-games multi through the wild card, by the way, the wild card game in 2012, there have only been 13 sweeps. So out of the 56 multi-season game postseason series, dating back to the institution of the wild card game in 2012, there have only been 13 sweeps. Uh, Sherman noted that baseball's reasoning behind this new format is to promote teams into spending more rather than remain second uh, division sides while keeping more fans interested and creating more excitement down the stretch. So obviously you want more teams, so you get seven. But here it is. Most of the time, however, the, the teams are not really doing well. Uh, for instance, last year's standards, the Boston Red Sox, who finished 12 games behind the number one wildcard spot, would have made the playoffs. So obviously, even though they were behind, they were still in, the, they would have been in the playoffs according to this new uh, format. So the new format is, the division winners and the top wildcard team will host all three games of a potential wildcard series. So it's no longer just a one-game series. It's a best of three. The current format has just two wildcard games, wildcard teams, in each league, and they play a one-game playoff for a chance to play against the number one seed in the divisional round. Um, also, the top division winner competing in the first round would choose their opponent from the bottom three car three wildcard teams. The final division winner will have the second pick, and the number one wildcard team will have the third pick. So you have the number one team being able to choose. Say it's the Yankees, the Twins, the Astros, they're the division winners. And then you have three wild card. Well, the one seed would get the, the first round bye. No, no, it says actually the first round will choose their, their opponent from the bottom three wild card. So you could have like the White Sox, let's say the Red Sox, and let's say the Athletics, who are normally a wild card team. The Yankees get the one seed. Ah, we'll, we'll choose the White Sox. All right, they're not that bad. And then, obviously, the second uh, winner would pick uh, the second wild card, and then so on. This, so, this is a tweak, but I don't think it's really going to become a bad thing. I think the playoff format is, is interesting. Obviously, like I said, the wild card round wasn't really accepted well to begin with anyways. But, I also feel that... The one thing that I always came up, and I was talking to a friend of mine about this the other day, I always thought that the playoff week, or the month of October, should be nothing but playoffs. You have the first week, either the one-game series, or you also could have the three-game series of the wildcard games, because I, everyone loves the wild. Everyone's starting to get turn on the, the wildcard and actually enjoy it. The second week, you have the best of three in the divisional series. So this one kind of means more, especially if it's a three-game series. So. You could also use more, you could have your three big starting pitchers expand the roster a little bit more, especially with more pitchers. You could have 12, and I would probably say have a, a, a total of 30 players on the team at the time, so that way you can carry more pitchers. You can have a, 
couple more starters in there, you can still have five starters, and then a five or six or seven different um, the relievers in the in this the bullpen just in case. Maybe one starting pitcher doesn't do well, so you put it on the second starter, get him going, get the uh, get the game still in your hand, and then that way it still doesn't really use up your bullpen. And then the third week, best of five, it's seven days, so you give them two days off in that season, give them each a travel day, two two, and then uh, the final game would be uh, the the home team, the original home team, and then the World Series have a best of seven and and. October into November of that. That's how it is. So I, that was my format, but this is, I feel like it's just trying to expand the wild card, which isn't a bad idea, but it can get better. And I feel like with obviously the new, the wild card rule that was originally re, uh, placed in to the uh, baseball, I feel like this, this couldn't be a bad thing. Obviously, if you remember the wild card, wasn't really a big, a big seller, but it, it's gotten better. You've gotten exciting teams getting in. You got the Twins a couple years ago. You got the Athletics. You got the Diamondbacks in Colorado. Colorado Rockies, who had a really good uh, playoff game. Um, you've had the Mets, and you've had the Giants. You haven't had any really teams from the wild card make it to the World Series since 2014, which was the Giants and the Kansas City Royals. Both teams made it from the wild card. So you have some some options. And it hasn't been, it hasn't all been bad, right? So it's not too bad. I, I, I don't think it's a bad thing, but I, th- I know some people obviously aren't really, fo- aren't really liking. But I think it's coming at a bad time. I feel that if Rob Manfred had waited for this whole Houston Astros and the whole Boston Red Sox thing to blow over, I don't think he meant the the investigation to go three months. And again, for the Boston Red Sox, we still have no idea what's going on with them yet. But if it hadn't taken this long. I feel just just a little hunch that it wouldn't have actually been this would have probably been his off-season thing that he was thinking about doing but because the the investigation has happened it's just kind of really poor timing by Rob Manfred instead so I wouldn't say he's a really bad commissioner but I would say if he keeps handling situations like this like the Astros he could end up going into the Roger Goodell way which is being the most hated commissioner of all time. So I want to segue into a different topic. Obviously, uh, we've been talking about baseball. We've been talking about the Houston Astros. And we've been talking about the entire problem with the Astros. But I want to segue to a different topic of All-Star Weekend. The NBA is having their All-Star Weekend, of course. Which really started to get me to think. There's only about two weeks, two months left of the NBA season. Last week, obviously, we did our show just basically on Kobe Bryant. And there was a tweet that was out there that I didn't really get to talk about. I didn't want to talk about until I got another show planned about something else instead of just about Kobe Bryant. And that was, the tweet was about LeBron James carrying the legacy of of Kobe Bryant, or LeBron James carrying the legacy of Kobe Bryant and winning another championship. So it kind of made me think, well, are the Lakers really destined to win the NBA Finals this year? Right now, they're the top of the Western Western Conference. They have the number one seed. They also, I was looking at the roster, they also have one of the most experienced rosters in the NBA today. LeBron James has three finals championships. Obviously, he's been in more than that. Danny Green's been in several NBA finals. He's also had two wins in that. 
Quinn Cook, if you remember, who was part of the Golden State Warriors, who got picked up a couple years ago by the Warriors from the, the now G League, which was the D League. And he ended up helping them win two back-to-back titles when Kevin Durant was playing, by the way. Rajon Rondo won a title with the Boston Celtics, uh, Boston Celtics back in 2008 when they also had Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen. And JaVale McGee, who, who is probably one of the more luckier guys who was a part of the Golden State Warriors, who ended up winning with, like Quinn Cook, with Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson. So they have five players with at least a, more than 10 finals appearances, because I'm not counting just appearances. They have won a total of 10 NBA finals. But right now, they're seventh in points per game, seventh in rebounds per, rebounds per game, fourth in assists, seventh with allowing opponents to score over 114 points. They also have Frank Vogel, who is in his first year as a head coach for the Los Angeles Lakers, who, if you remember, was with the Indiana Pacers back-to-back Eastern Conference Finals against LeBron James and company when they had a healthy Paul George. They also have Jason Kidd, who had a remarkable career as a player and unfortunately didn't really have a great coaching record, but has been a respected NBA uh, legend on and off the court. And then I also have a guy, Lionel Hollins, who coached two years with the Nets, coached a couple years with the Memphis Grizzlies. Who's, so they have a lot of good coaching experience under them. But you also have LeBron James. To me, the, when, I, when I first saw that this team was put together with Anthony Davis, when they acquired him, I wasn't sold that this was going to be the team to win. In fact, I was more sold on not only the Clippers, but you also have, once you have the Brooklyn Nets healthy with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, you have them on the Eastern Conference side, and you just have a lot of tandems. You have Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul, who I think could end up actually doing some damage in the playoffs until they got rid of Clint Capella, which makes absolutely no sense to me. You get rid of your big man, and you're just playing small ball. I know that's something that Mike D'Antoni has done in the past, with a small ball, but it didn't work for you then. You need a big man. You clearly need someone to protect the rim. Clint Capella was that. You're going to have a guy that's 6'5 and playing the center when you have guys like Anthony Davis playing the center, when you, guys, when you have guys like Montrell's Harrell on the Clippers playing the, playing the big. You need someone. But I'm getting off topic. And when I first saw the Slakers team put together, I didn't think they had enough. I honestly didn't. Now, yes, they have the, the finals experience. They also had a wild card in all of this, who I thought was going to be the problem of this team, Dwight Howard. Clearly, he's gotten at least two coaches fired in each team. The first in, in with the Lakers didn't work out the greatest. However, he was playing with Kobe Bryant, who was trying to become a better teammate, but he just didn't have what he wanted. He didn't have that mentality of becoming a better player with Dwight. And Dwight was like, dude, it's L.A. I get to go see movies. I got a nightlife. I don't really care about basketball. Of course I can dominate, but I'll dominate when I want to. Kobe wanted you to dominate then. Now, this wild card is actually becoming a team player. It's, it's incredible what he, his transformation has done. And I think because of the loss of Kobe, and he said personally, he was supposed to help me with the all-star dunk contest. And I'm really upset that I, I'm not going to get that chance to work with him and mend our relationship. But let's face it, I think 
we all knew deep down Kobe was coming to Lakers games to help out and to be that presence that will never be lost. You can you can do that on your own. I feel like yes, he was going to help you with a few dunks, and I and I really wish we would have seen that because I really and I really hope that he finds some way to mend that relationship with Kobe. But he's come so far from when he first got into the league of becoming just a guy who's going to dominate in the paint, who can't really shoot free throws, and now all of a sudden he's shooting free throws and actually making them. He's changed. I don't know if you've seen this on YouTube, but he's changed his stance. He's no longer up on the line at the free throw line. He stands a few feet back, and he ends up making them. Maybe that was the, the problem all along. Maybe you were too close to the rim. I don't know. But he's not becoming that wild card that we once saw and knew. And it's starting to make me think, are the Los Angeles Lakers supposed to win the Western Conference? Now, you have a really big and tall task. When the Clippers are playing 100% and they're healthy, I still feel that the Clippers can upset them. But I feel for some reason, now that Kobe's gone, it just makes sense. It just makes it right that the Lakers need to win the title to bring back the ba- and I don't want to say balance but to bring the city of Los Angeles together because obviously you we have lost someone that meant so much to the community and so much to the world but it only makes sense that the Lakers win the Western Conference and win the NBA finals to just bring back the the remembering and remembering the good times that Kobe made and I feel that this is the chance for LeBron James to really put everything on his big shoulders that he's already said I have big, God gave me big shoulders for a reason. This is your chance to really prove how great you are. And if he does that, he will be one of the great, he will obviously be the top three NBA player of all time. And there will be no discussion about that. Because if he wins the title this time, it's for Kobe, it's for the Lakers, it's for something other than himself. And I think that's what makes him a little better. I, I think, I honestly think that we are destined this year to have a Boston Celtics versus a Los Angeles Lakers uh, finals. I, I, I honestly believe that. I feel that it's only right. And of course, and I feel the only reason why it has to be this way, Kobe Bryant's last NBA championship came at the hands against the Boston Celtics. If you remember 2008, he had lost a heartbreaking loss. His worst career loss ended by numbers, 39 points. They had lost by the Celtics in Boston in game six. And it, you could tell Kobe Bryant was so upset and it drove him crazy and mad that he had to get his revenge two years later. And I think it's only fitting that it has to be against the Boston Celtics because nothing else would really matter as much if it's against the, if it's against the Bucks or if it's against the, the Sixers or even the Heat. It won't matter. It, what really matters is LeBron James has to be tested. And I think the best test coming from the East is the Boston Celtics. I think you have an up-and-coming potential Kobe Bryant second coming with Jason Tatum. You have a smart coach with Brad Stevens, and you have a team that is built to be a team and not to be self-centered around one person. They all contribute. They got rid of that person. That was Kyrie Irving last year. So I think this is the actual team that the Lakers have to play against in the NBA Finals to really make it matter and really make it count. So that's that's just my thoughts of it. You can give me your thoughts on what you think um, on the Midday Madness Sports Podcast show uh, on Facebook. 
like us on Facebook and the Midday Madness Sport page. This kind of concludes us, uh, brings us to our ending, as always. We want to thank you for listening to the Midday Madness Sports Podcast. If you've never listened to this before, we always end on a quote of the day. And this quote is by Johnny Cash. I thought it was really fitting that we end it with this quote. And he says, You build on failure. You use it as a stepping stone. Close the door on the past. You don't try to forget the mistakes, but you don't dwell on it. You don't let it have any of your energy or any of your time or any of your space. So again, Johnny Cash said, You build on failure. You use it as a stepping stone. Close the door on the past. You don't try to forget the mistakes, but you don't dwell on it. You don't let it have any of your energy or any of your time or any of your space. So I think that's a great way to end the show, obviously, with what's been going on with the Astros. Hopefully we can move on and hopefully, you know, I, I really do hope that they bounce back, to be honest. Um, it would be a good story. I hope it doesn't come to the, against the hands of the Yankees, but, you know, <laughs> this, this is me as a Yankees fan. Again, follow us on the Facebook page, the Midday Man of Sports Podcast. Listen to us anywhere you get your podcast. And I want to thank you all for joining us. So that's going to be it. Thank you for again for joining us. Until next time.